A reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And so man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and placed there the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God made various trees grow that were delightful to look at and good for food, with the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, you shall not eat it or even touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like gods who know what is good and what is evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized that they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. The word of the Lord.
hast mich nottert from your presence, and your Holy Spirit take not from me. reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, brothers and sisters, through one man sin entered the world, and through sin death, and thus death came to all men inasmuch as all sinned. For up to the time of the law, sin was in the world, though sin is not accounted when there is no law. But death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin after the pattern of the trespass of Adam, who is the type of the one who was to come. But the gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one, the many died, how much more did the grace of God and the gracious gift of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow for the many. And the gift is not like the result of the one who sinned, for after one sin, there was the judgment that brought condemnation. But the gift, after many transgressions, brought acquittal. For if by the transgression of the one, death came to reign through that one, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of justification come to reign in life through the one Jesus Christ? In conclusion, just as through one transgression, condemnation came upon all, so through one righteous act, acquittal and life came to all. For justice through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. So through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The word of the Lord.
The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, one does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give to you, if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At, Jesus said to, at this, Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. The devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. I wish to give a warm welcome to anyone who might be visiting the cathedral today. Thank you so much for coming and joining us in the celebration of Holy Mass. And my dear brothers and sisters, when we look at the lyrics of, of popular music, popular songs, oftentimes we can see elements in those lyrics that are reflective of the culture in one way or another. And there's a particular lyric that tends to pop up several times in different songs over these last number of decades. It can't be wrong if it feels so right. Comes up again and again. Elvis Presley sings about it in his song, Feels So Right. Country singers David Houston and Barbara Mandrell in their duet sing about it to justify an adulterous relationship. And there is that Grammy-winning song that was sung by Debbie Boone, You Light Up My Life, which of course has this lyric in it as well. 
it can't be wrong when it feels so right. Let's take a look at this lyric that bespeaks in many ways an ethos of the culture. And when we do so, we'll get a greater insight into our first reading from the book of Genesis and also a greater insight into sin and temptation. You see, this lyric bespeaks an, an ethics that, that's based on good feelings, that people will choose actions naturally that might make us feel good in one way or another. And so if it feels good, if it produces good feelings, this is what would attract us to doing those kinds of actions. But is that always what is truly right and good for us? You know, if someone makes me angry, it might feel real good to punch him. But that's probably not the thing I ought to do. You see, in every sin we commit, there's something about that action that attracts us. In every sin we commit, we have some false notion of what is truly good for us and that apparent good or that false good is what attracts us. In this lyric that comes up again and again, it's, it's the good feelings that are attracting us and they can lead us astray. In our first reading from the book of Genesis, what is it that attracts Adam and Eve? The scripture says that the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasing to the eyes, that it was desirable for gaining wisdom. And this is why she ate of the fruit, and that's why Adam ate of the fruit. You see, the, the tempter put this false notion of what was truly good into their minds. And at the root of it is a deception of, of, of what their true good is. Is it this relationship with God or is it something else? You see, the the tempter, the, the devil. You know, did God really say this? You will not die. And it's already creating a certain doubt in their mind about looking to God and trusting in God and, and who their true good really is. And so they desire to eat the fruit of the tree because 
looks like it's going to be good for food. It's pleasing to the eyes. It looks good to us. It's attractive. It's desirable for gaining wisdom. And in so doing, they commit this great sin of disobedience and rupture their relationship with the Lord. In the lyric, it can't be wrong if it feels so right. There's some kind of deception about what's our true good and the pleasurable feelings in one way or another is what's drawing the person into sin. So good exercise for us this Lent is to take a look at the sins we tend to repeat. And we all have them, don't we? Some of those sins we keep falling into again and again and again. And ask ourselves, why do we do it? You know, why do I keep doing this? What in this action is attracting me and drawing me? What in this action do I think is my real good when in the long run it really isn't? It's important for us to you know, be able to name that. And you know, for example, we can look at some of the, the capital sins. Those are sins that are roots of other sins in our life. And see what kinds of things might be attractive. You know, in you know, the sins of related to anger, we think about those sins that might be related to anger, their retaliation in one form or another. It might be those sharp words that come out of our mouth. It might be giving someone the cold shoulder. It might be talking about a person's faults or spreading false rumors about someone. You see, someone might have done something to hurt us or injure us or in some way make us angry. And then we find all these other actions attractive in some way to get back at the person. But all that does is further the damage in the relationship. Does it bring about reconciliation? Does it bring about our true good and our peace? Does it help us to love our neighbor and love our enemies? Now, I'm not in any way counseling that we just use ourselves as a doormat. There are times when we need to you know, stand up for ourselves, but do so in a way that's not retaliatory. So there might be things in those sins related to anger that at the moment are, are attracting us and seem to us to be good. But do they really help us love God and neighbor and are they good for us in the long run? And we could kind of go through sin after sin after sin and kind of take a look at, well, well, what is it that attracts us? 
And if we're going to turn away from sin in our life, and if we're going to resist temptation, it's important for us to know what the false promise is, what that false promise of good is that's attracting our heart in one way or another. And then to turn away from the sin or to build up a, a better practice, it's usually not sufficient just to say, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. Instead, what's much more effective and what's much more lasting in our life is putting some other true good in its place. Putting some other true good in its place. And so we might even think about our, our Lenten practice of self-denial, of, 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 of giving up something. Are we also doing something in Lent that's a true good that we need to pursue in our life that we have not been? And can we build up some practice and habit, or in better terms, a virtue of doing that good. My dear brothers and sisters, all of us face temptation. We all face and struggle with sin in our life. And at the root of every sin is some kind of deception something that we think is going to be good for us, that is drawing or attracting our heart, but in the long run just does further damage to our relationship with the Lord and our relationship with other people. Let us pray that during this holy time of Lent, the Lord, through the working of the Holy Spirit, may. May, may bring about within us a, a deeper knowledge of those false promises of good that are attracting us, that we may evermore turn to our true good, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of our neighbor.